Please remain standing for the reading of the word. Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 39. He, Jesus, is beginning his earthly ministry, and Mark is recording some, some of his first events. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 verses through 39. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a place, a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let us pray. Father, you are majestic, wonderful, powerful, and awesome. We come before you and thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. We thank you for recording these words for us, preserving them, translating them into our native tongue, that we might know you, love you, honor you, cherish you, and adore you. We pray that these words would have the effect that you have determined from eternity past upon our hearts, our minds, our souls, in our lives. We pray that you would speak through me, that your name might be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated. These verses outline for us Jesus bursting onto the scene, bursting onto the scene of his ministry. And as he does so, the people are amazed and astonished. They are in wonder because Jesus' teaching is in contrast with the scribes and the Pharisees. 
they see that and recognize that Jesus is teaching with authority. They see and they recognize that Jesus can heal in ways that no one else can or could. They see that Jesus has authority over the unclean spirits. And because of these, his teaching, his healing, and his authority over the unclean spirits, the crowds are astonished and amazed. So let us explore these three different aspects of Jesus' ministry. And because of the way I've organized these things, we'll be jumping around throughout the passage, but we will cover all the verses. In 1958, a young man entered the world of soccer. At 17 years of age, he became the youngest player ever to play in the World Cup. Pelé was able to navigate his team through the defenses of the world's best defenders. He took the beautiful game and attacked the, the best defense, the Swedes. And he led Brazil to victory. This was the beginning of quite a career, a career in soccer. Many people, when they talk about Pelé, say he wasn't just a man, he was a god on the field. Well, he wasn't God, but he could do what no other man could do, but he could only do what a man could do. And throughout his career, he averaged nearly a goal a game, which is better than some teams even. But as amazing as his career was, and as many records as he still holds, he, as a human being, and all that glory, is a mere candle in the sunlight in comparison to Christ. And so we will begin by examining the, the authoritative teaching of Jesus, uh, looking at verses 21, 22, and 27. <clears throat> Mark tells us that Jesus' teaching was with authority, that it was in contrast with the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, what was the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees? We know from other passages that the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees took the law and in an effort not to get sent into exile again, they added to the law. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in adding to the law, they added a great burden that no one could carry. A couple of examples of these would be, you know, when uh, the disciples, or when Jesus confronted the Pharisees, they said, uh, he said, there are times when you say, if a gift, if a gift is given to the Lord, if we call it Corban, then it is dedicated to the Lord, and I don't have to use that money to honor my father and my mother. And Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees, you are setting up your own rules, and in doing so, you're violating the law of God. Another example would be in terms of the oaths that people would take. 
scribes and Pharisees would say, you know, if you swear by the altar, you're okay. You, do, you might not necessarily have to keep that up. But if you swear by the gift on the altar, that's when you really have to, um, that's when you really have to keep your oath. If you swear by the temple, you don't have to keep your oath. If you swear by the gold in the temple, that's when you have to keep your oath. And so all these little idiosyncrasies and fine points that kept people guessing as to what they were supposed to do in order to keep the law of God were a huge burden and something that no one could carry. And Jesus even said, you place all these burdens on the people's shoulders, but you will not lift a finger to keep them yourselves. So, in contrast to that, back in verse 15, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What is the gospel of the kingdom? What is the good news by which we get to know who God is? And how does this contrast so greatly with the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, the good news of the kingdom of God is that God forgives sins. The good news of the kingdom is that you don't have to remain outside the camp, that God calls you back to himself, that he is gracious, he is merciful, he is kind. He, his loving kindness and his steadfast love are from generation to generation, and they are undeserved. So believe in the gospel, believe in the good news that God forgives sins. Now, up until this point in history, People knew and understood in a shadowy sort of way that there had to be a substitutionary death in order for the forgiveness of sins to be accomplished. From, even from Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit, and instead of dying, as God had said, they received the skins of animals. An animal died in their place so that they could then live. And so because of this example, throughout the entire Old Testament, the question was, how can God be just and the justifier of the ungodly? How can that substitutionary death be the one that takes our place? Who are we? Who is God? to forgive us our sins, and how can he do it? Well, Jesus bursts onto the scene, and with authority he proclaims and says, repent, repent of all these burdens, and believe in the good news that God keeps his promises, that God forgives your sins. And this repentance and faith are the exact things that he has always required of us from Abraham and Noah and Moses and David all the way through to our present day. The requirement remains the same because we must depend upon and rely upon God and God alone for our forgiveness. And that forgiveness is given through Jesus Christ. This indeed is good news and the people responded 
with astonishment and amazement. Not only did Jesus give the commands to repent and believe, not only did Jesus give the good news of the kingdom, but his teaching, and his teaching was authoritative, but he also had authority over sickness. Now, skipping down to verse 29, after he has been spending time in the synagogue, we read that he left the synagogue and went to um, Simon Peter's house, and Simon's mother-in-law lay, lay ill with a fever. Now, in that day and in that time, they, had, they did have medicines, um, but you couldn't go to the corner store and buy a bottle of NyQuil or Tylenol to help with the fever relief. You had to gut it out. Um, not only were there fevers, but there were also other maladies and paralysis that people could not overcome with the medicine and the skills that the doctors had at the time. And so this oppression of sickness lay upon the people. There was no method, no option for them to get out from under this sickness. And Peter's mother-in-law was lying in bed. She was sick. She was helpless. And throughout the Old Testament, one of the great contrasts is that, be, that which is uh, clean and unclean. If something is clean and it is touched by something that is unclean, the clean thing becomes unclean. The holy becomes unholy because of the corruption. Well, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches Simon's mother-in-law, and he lifts her up. And instead of Jesus, the clean, becoming unclean, the unclean becomes clean. And the fever leaves her, and she's able to fulfill her duties, her responsibilities, her delight, her joy to serve other people. She did it immediately, and the healing was full, and it was complete. She was able to fulfill what God had set, set apart for her. Not only did uh, Jesus heal Simon Peter's mother, but that evening, everybody came to the door. Hey, we, we saw you cast out a demon. We, we heard that you healed Simon Peter's mother. What about us? So imagine a huge crowd at the door, and Jesus is touching or proclaiming healness, healing, and forgiveness to all these people who have diseases. Many people, I'm sure, had to be carried to Jesus in order to be healed. Now, other people, other prophets throughout the Old Testament had healed people with many diseases. But Jesus was the only one who had so many. Even Elisha, who had the most miracles in the Old Testament, did not compare with the number of healings that Jesus did and gave. Jesus is greatest, and he has authority over that which um, seeks to thwart our ability to reflect and to bear the image of government. 
He has authority over the effects of sin, the sickness and the death that it brings. So Jesus' teaching has authority. He has healing uh, authority over sickness. And he has authority over unclean spirits as well. Coming back to verse 23 verse, through verse 26, we have the encounter between Jesus and the demon in the synagogue. The demon cries out and says, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, one of the interesting things about this passage is that this is one of the only times that Jesus is called the Holy One of God. To be called the Holy One of God is to be recognized as God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. The angels bow down and cast, and the elders cast their crowns before God Almighty. There is only one who is holy. And so to have a human being who is also holy in the midst of the people, to have a human being who is holy is something that the people of Israel did not necessarily have the category to, to fit into their minds. And so there was a bit of fog and mystery. But the demons knew who Jesus was. The demons knew that he was the, the eternally existent Son of God. And Jesus, not desiring to have himself fully revealed just yet, because it needed to happen that he had, would have a ministry of about three years, and it needed to happen that his death, burial, and resurrection occurred at exactly the right moment. And so Jesus commands the unclean spirits to be silent and to come out of him. This poor man who had been oppressed by a demon. Now, one of the effects of sin is that we, those who worship an idol, when we believe that which is not true, is that we then become deaf and mute and cannot think straight or according to God's good design. These demons have that effect upon many people. Throughout Jesus' ministry, there are others uh, who are affected and inflicted with the oppression of demons. And as these demons oppress the people, what, what is made clear is that there are some who are paralyzed, some who, are, who have episodes of epilepsy, who are thrown into the fire or to the water. And the demons are seeking to destroy that which God has set up. And Jesus has authority over them to say, come out of him, reversing the effects of the fall and of sin and of corruption upon each and every one of these people. And so as we come next <coughs> to um, Jesus casting out of other demons in verse 34 
He healed many people who had various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The demons knew Jesus, but Jesus did not want them to make him manifest. He did not want their testimony of him to be that which brought about the fullness and the manifestation of his glory. He needed that to wait for a little while longer. Now, in terms of application, what should we take from this passage? Well, the crowds saw all these things. They saw Jesus teaching with authority. They saw Jesus uh, healing with authority. They saw Jesus' authority over the unclean spirits. And they were astonished and amazed. We too should be astonished and amazed at what Jesus can do and what he has done and what he will do. We should recognize that Jesus' authority is because he has the eternal being. He is one with the Father. His authority is not, it's not derived, it's not given, it is part of who he is. And because of that authority, we should be astonished and amazed together with the crowds. And then as we wrap things up, concluding with verses 35 through 39, we see Jesus not just in and amongst the crowds, but he's, he's also withdrawn. He needs the time to pray. He needs the time to be by himself and to recognize that he, in his humanity, is dependent upon the Father. And so, while it was still dark, in verse 35, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him found Jesus and said, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus' fame was spreading quickly, and Jesus knew that he could not stay in any one place once this fame became widespread. He knew that the expectation of these people was to make him an earthly king, to seat him upon the throne of David. And instead of this, he wanted to go about teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And he says to Simon Peter, this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus' ministry was amazing. It was full we should be full of astonishment and amazement and awe at who God is and the fact that he has sent his son to proclaim the good news of forgiveness of sins to us. And because of all these things, we too should be astonished and amazed, but not just astonished and amazed, but also dependent upon him we can have astonishment and amazement and not be dependent upon Christ. 
we must also have the faith that Jesus proclaimed in verse 15. Believe in the good news, in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Believe that God keeps his promises. And together with the astonishment, the amazement, and the awe of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished on our behalf, let us also spread the good news to those around us of who he is and what he has done. Let us pray. Father, you are great and glorious. You are amazing beyond all that we can think or imagine. You have accomplished for us so great a salvation that we, we are left with little but to recognize that we are in complete dependence upon you. Pray that our dependence, our awe, our astonishment, our amazement of you and of your great salvation would work into us the, the ability to walk in obedience to what you have commanded and may your forgiveness of sins flow readily from our lips. We ask all these things by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.